We are a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network, affiliated with Age of Radio. Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Joey Galvez, and you are listening to the House of Indie Podcast. And I'm sitting here with Casey Pierce. How's it going, Casey? It's going excellent. Very, very well. I think this is the first time I've done a podcast in the morning. Oh. I like it, though. I like it. Yeah, you are a little bit of a head, head of us. Uh, you're a couple, well, like I think, what, like three hours ahead of me. So you've already had breakfast, and you've already kind of had a, a nice amount of time of your day. I'm just waking up. <laughs> uh, I feel for you with the, uh, the the child thing, you know, your two-year-old. Yeah. Getting yeah. you up like a, he's like a rooster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We talked a little bit before we uh, went on air. I, uh, I've got a two-year-old who wakes me up every morning at 5 a.m. Uh, and I told you anytime that I can I can get some kind of uh, sleeping in, uh, I cherish that. <laughs> right, right. I, I like that this podcast is in the morning, though, because I'm one of those writers, too, where I know a lot of writers like to write at night. Uh-huh. I don't. I think first thing in the morning when I'm fresh – before yeah. any sort of value judgment or um, uh, anxiety can clutter my mind. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's just rolling. I'm like, it's fresh. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And then by nighttime, you know, because I go to bed early so I can get uh. up early so I can work out. And then I'm high on pre-workout. And then I'm <laughs> at the computer like, ah! Yeah, you know, writing all these crazy stories that you just read. <laughs> yeah, I can I can completely understand that because you know you go throughout the day and a lot's going on. You don't want that to kind of you know uh, transport into your work. It sometimes I mean sometimes it could be good too. So you can use that. Right. Awesome. So so tell us a little bit about your work. I know I I've read Nora and we were talking about that a little bit. That uh, I read it last night. And I told myself I was going to read just issue one just to familiarize myself with your work. I couldn't put it down and I read the whole stinking thing. <laughs> I'm so glad you enjoyed it. And like I, like I said, I, I attribute that um, to Sean Seal's work, how he makes it flow. Yeah. And uh, you'll see in volume two, Kelly O'Hara does the same thing. No panels, no gutters. Um, and it's also sort of written for cinema. And that's just, that wasn't on yeah. purpose. You know, it just has a cinematic flow. So yeah, you just want to keep reading, and I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, the I, really, I have to agree with that. the the uh, The pacing was very well done, uh, and and along with the writing, it was it was it definitely flows very well, and it made me like like well, that first issue, number one, it was it was right on the edge of my seat every time that I read it, or every time that I went forward, and I got to that point where it's like to be continued. I was like, no, nah, I gotta continue this. I don't care if it's super late. I have to. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. The funny thing is the to be continued thing. It's one of those things that you look back. Uh, yeah. later in your career and you're like why did I do that <laughs> you know it's like yeah. one of those things that you would yeah. change but I mean you can't now you know because look at uh in my early career um because I was asked to write a comic and okay. um I it was never my intention I had never even seen a comic script so to me everything was film-like you know even uh-huh. though I read comics um that's why Nora one is such a slow burn because to me it's the first 10 minutes of a film. So I'm like, Oh, we should add it to be continued. And then I'm like, Oh, Casey, come on. It's it's cringeworthy five years later, but what are you going to do? You know, your own worst critic. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, that that's definitely true. I uh I do the same thing every day. I'm like, oh man, I shouldn't have said that in that interview. What the heck? And then I've got people like, dude, that was such a good interview. I was like, no, I sounded yeah. like a freaking amateur, man. <laughs> they, they don't even notice. They no. don't even notice. And that's you know? and that's what it is. A lot of people when you when you are so hard on yourself. You, it's it's usually just you and your own self inside your own brain thinking those things because yeah you're right nobody noticed those hiccups or any of those kinds of things that you're like oh I shouldn't have done that that I I, I right. missed step there or something like that right <laughs> like I I'm in school right now and I was for business and cool. um, I was the team leader of a group presentation of course a group t- presentation we have to give during COVID so it's all online we got to compile all these videos that's fun and right? a lot of <laughs> you're right I know um, and a lot of these uh, students they had they weren't speakers they just weren't some of them mm-hmm. um, had trouble with the language there was a language barrier too so what I kept trying to reassure them is like listen if you mess up don't acknowledge the mess up. Don't stop. Mm-hmm. Just keep going. I, I guarantee their mind's going to make up for that hiccup and they're not even going to notice it. Just keep yeah. going. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> I had to learn that the hard way. <laughs> I'm doing this for a little while. That's definitely true. Okay. So I need to know you, uh, you talked a little bit about how, uh, you didn't, didn't, you've never even seen the comic strip. You've never even seen comics or I need to know what, what your actual background was before you got into this. Well, I, I was a fan of comics. You know, I read comics. I'd never seen a script before. Okay. So I, when I first started writing, I, I was a blogger. And I was doing uh, snarky commentary on the Comic-Con scene, comic reviews. It was kind of like a, almost like an animated character. So we're talking about like crayons to perfume uh, with yeah. my yeah. career here. Um, and I was doing artist interviews, uh, you know, like yourself, you know, podcasts, mm-hmm. you know, what have you. And I was known as Cosmic Casey. And uh, that's why Facebook.com slash Cosmic Casey is yeah. my writer page. <laughs> and I started blogging a chapter a month of a science fiction called The Prophecy Effect. Now, I'd never written fiction before. And Tony Maiello of Rocket Inc. Studios uh, had become a fan of it, had started following it. And he said, I think based on this, that you can write horror and I said I, I don't write fiction that's really not what I do this is all just me playing around and he's like no pitch me something pitch me a four-page story so I did and that became doll phase in the first release of pieces of madness and it's a prose now um, it's funny when I go back and read reviews of pieces you know people say oh I absolutely love these stories except what happened with doll face well it was the first story I'd ever written so it's, yeah. it's a little weak I, I, <laughs> I put it in the middle on purpose so it just kind of gets lost in the shuffle <laughs> but uh, but then uh, it was you know it was five short stories of the insane cultist and paranormal it was a bit of a gore piece but it was all based on my personal experiences, my fears growing up in a Bible-centric home. Mm. And it was just different, a lot of emphasis on the human condition. So it started to gain a subterranean following, uh, which I didn't expect, but I really appreciate. And I was selling out of it at Comic-Cons. Wow. This little book of five short stories, low-res cover, you know, I mean, it could have been easily dismissed, but it wasn't. And so that caught the eye of Travis McIntyre, editor-in-chief of Source Point Press, who had just taken over. 
um, or as editor-in-chief. Now, I was friends with the original proprietors, um, Joshua Werner, who is now our art director, and Trico Luckins. So we all knew each other, kind of like a brat pack in Michigan. Okay. And he said, hey, girl, I need you to pitch me a comic because you can see it. I saw him like a madman. Yeah. And I said, I don't write comics. It's not what I really do. I, <laughs> I write prose, you know, this shitty little five-story book. And uh, he said, just pitch me something, anything. And so I had the honor and privilege of knowing the late, great Gary Reed of Caliber oh. Comics before he passed away. Okay. And I had a chance to look at a Dead World script. Mm-hmm. And I was reading it. And I'm like, this, it, so it's kind of like a movie, right? So again, that's why first issue of Nora is like mm-hmm. a slow burn, like the first yeah. 10 minutes of a film. Um, and it's nonlinear. And I didn't mean to write it that way, but here we are. There's nothing really we can do to change that. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, and the rest is history. Like Nora was the prophecy effect narrowed down to the main character. Wow, that's that's pretty awesome. That's uh, so. Uh, for those of our listeners out there who don't know what Nora is, can you give a quick logline of of what that is? Sure, Nora is X Files meets Starship Troopers. Um, it's about a woman who has the ability to delve into uh, the mind's eye uh, in the event of your uh, a comatose state, uh, very similar to the cell. Uh, and she obtains this ability while working in pathogenic development for the CIA creating bioweapons. Yes. When I when I first uh, saw that, I was like, oh, this is such a cool story and it's really unique. And, uh, and and as I kept reading, I was wondering, I was like, did she have to do a lot of research in this? So so I want to know, did you how much research did you have to do for this? Because there's a lot of uh, medical terminology and all that stuff in here. And I was like, well, I don't know if I could ever do that kind of research myself. That's a lot. Yeah, you know, it, it was some really disturbing stuff. Um, you know, thank God I listened to a lot of NPR uh, because it, I became obsessed with what the CIA does, um, black bag missions and so forth. Yeah. Um, but in terms of research, now I have a background in anatomy and pathology okay. limited, but I do. So uh, the bioweapon thing is based on real science, mm-hmm. just a little bit suspended because I don't actually know if this would work out. I know that these things will do these things to your white blood cells, your nervous system. I'm obsessed with the nervous system as well. It's one of my passions. Um, when I was diagnosed or when I was 26, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Okay. And I went on this mission to sort of find out why I have what I had, or at least have more of an understanding mm-hmm. of um, this disease. And so that started my nervous system obsession. So a lot of it is based on things maybe that are already new a lot of research, a little bit of suspending belief, but it's all rooted in real science. That's awesome. So, so this story here is such an interesting premise here, uh, I, and and I need to know what inspired such a unique story. So, here in the Midwest, about five six years ago, we had ice storms, and I remember being in my uh, one bedroom apartment at the time. And everything's frozen. I'm talking the windows. I'm, I had a. I was driving a Ford Fiesta at the time, mm. which is angled down like this. So okay. the hole underneath was just a block of ice. Oh and my gosh! And we would have to rock the car every morning just oh. to go anywhere. So really, a lot of us were barricaded in our homes, kind of like we are now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, when I started 
to write the prophecy effect, which became Nora, I imagined a woman who kind of looked like Nora Jones, just sort of mm. creeping around in the dark, you know, sort of looking for something. I'm like, what is she looking for? And um, then I just suddenly thought, you know, a coma. And she, I'm like, she's in someone's coma. She's trying to get somebody out. What does a coma look like? Well, to me, it's somewhere cold and desolate between life and death, almost yeah. like a, a universal purgatory. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and I remember I was listening to a very haunting instrumental, which I, I still use to write to this day. It's nice. called Something Happened Here. And you can find it on um, YouTube. And it's, uh, it's by uh, Tim, shoot. I think his artist name is Lunz, L-U-N-Z. Okay. But um, but yeah, I remember I, it was just out of sheer, not sheer boredom. It was out of passion too. But uh, yeah, it was another uh, part in my life where I was sort of pushed or forced to do something and I did it and it was successful. So I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> that's, that's such a cool, cool thing. Uh, so... Uh, I, I always there's there's a question that I always ask everyone that has on that I have on the show and maybe my listeners are bored of it already. But I like to know because because it gives me a little bit of insight into the brain of our creators that are on the show. Uh, right. <laughs> and so what is your creative process? I know you 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 use some music. A lot of that's kind of uh, universal with a lot of the creators as well. But what else do you do? I is there anything else other than just music? Oh yeah, absolutely. Normally, especially with my prose, like in horror, you'll notice that I bold the first line. Okay. A lot of things start out with a line that I heard from somebody else. I'm just constantly listening to my friends, people, people online at Starbucks, anything that just sort of catches my ear. Uh-huh. For example, when I wrote Luke for Pieces of Madness, um, my friend who does a lot of tarot readings and soul retrieval, she's a shaman, all that stuff. And I said, what got you interested in occult practices? Mm-hmm. And she said, I grew up haunted. And I stopped her right there because wow. I wanted to hold on to that. And I wanted yeah. to answer that question of what does it mean to grow up haunted? That's really yeah. interesting and thought provoking. So thought provoking things that real people say Sometimes it's based on real people, um, but uh, but yeah, definitely real life experiences. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, would you say that Nora grew up haunted? Yes, she is haunted by her past. Okay, and yeah. it's interesting because Nora carries sort of this. She's mercenary, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, she's you know from the CIA. She was trained to be that way. Yeah. Um, but she's also has the sort of level of stoicism where she it's not that she's emotionless. I think she's uh, misunderstood by the people around her. You saw in the first issue what she said yeah. to a father who was like, well, thank you. I don't know what we would do without our daughter. And she just straight up says, well, you'd figure it out. Yeah. And it sounds very dickish to say that <laughs> to a father who's so glad his daughter is safe. Um but uh, but she means it, you know. Yeah. You would you would have to you would have to press on. Uh-huh. Um, so people think she's emotionless when really she's just trying to preserve. Um, she's trying to keep on a lid on her uh, tragic past, and she's trying to make sense of everything without getting too overwhelmed. 
Yeah, I, th- I think it has to do with a lot of what she's going through as well. You know, I, I don't want to sure. I don't want to give a lot of away to anybody who hasn't read it yet. So we'll kind of keep a lid on that one for a little bit. Excuse the difference in the audio. This was a pre-recorded episode before I took a break. I forgot it was such a cool episode. But let's take a quick break right here, and then when we come back, we'll jump right back into the episode as it continues. So uh, tell us, is is there any other work that you've worked on since Nora? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Cirrus came out after the first volume of Nora. And Cirrus is my fun series. They are uh, right now three self-contained one shots. Um, It's Norse mythology meets the craft in the style of heavy metal. There's sexy, gory Viking witch fables. (laughs) Just Viking witches kicking ass on the southern shores of Iceland. Sorry, totally a Mary Sue. But I just wanted to have some fun, and it's also rooted in, um, yeah. you know, real folklore and, uh, you know, Viking history. And also, um, I created some new folklore as well. For instance, the third one, Turkon and the Great Divide, is about a, a demonic tree, you know. Um, yeah. And so I just I had so much fun with that. Now, that's illustrated by J.J. Cott. I call him a one-man show because he can do it all. And he is his wow. own project manager. And I just cannot say enough about JJ Cott. Um, but yeah, so we will do a Kickstarter for that um, coming up soon, which will feature uh, a bonus story. So there will be four self-contained stories, but you will see reoccurring characters. So you don't have to collect all of them, but mm-hmm. it's fun too. That's super cool. And it sounds like you did a lot of research for that story as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Also, I did. Um, so Rocketing Studios will soon be putting out Mishika, which I wrote actually six years ago. And um, Mishika is, uh, I like to say, Mexican Conan the Barbarian. OK, <laughs> so it's it's rooted in um, and, and the basis, the catalyst for that was John Marikin, the illustrator, coming to me with this idea that he's had for you know 20 years but he didn't know what to do with it and um when he was telling me about this movement that was happening with those indigenous to the americas in the valley of mexico aztec the name aztec is a spaniard given name Mm -hmm. and they were like we have always been mexicas and there was this movement happening online and uh so i was he inspired me with that. And after a long meeting at Gizmos and Wyandotte, um, I said, so you're looking for sword and sorcery. You're looking for Mexican Conan. He goes, yeah, I think so. So we gave him an origin origin story. So that should be coming out soon. I'll let everybody know. Yeah. Uh, called Mexica. That sounds like a super cool one. Uh, now I cool. had to do a lot of research for that because I, I was nervous. I'm representing a culture that is not my own. So I had to know where I could sort of bend and where I absolutely could not. So that took a whole summer. Mm -hmm. Wow. So did you have a whole lot of fun researching that? No. Oh yeah. Yeah. I find find when, when, when I, when I look into like different cultures that are not my own, it like opens up a part of my brain that I'm just like, it excites me and I'm just like, Whoa, this is so cool. I want to know more. Mm -hmm. Was that the right. same for you? Yeah, absolutely. I was fascinated. I think that's the perfect yeah. word for it. Just, yeah. Just fascinated. Yeah, super cool, man. That one sounds a whole like a whole lot of fun. So, uh, so I mean, this this world is crazy right now. So, what have you been doing 
while you're locked down? <laughs> I've been going to school. Okay. Uh, so I, uh, I'm going to school for a business, business admin. I'm uh, about a year away from my bachelor's Sweet. and, That's uh, awesome. I also got my meditation teacher certificate. So wow. I do that too. I've been doing a lot of editing as red pen media. Okay. Um, so I am an editor as well. And I absolutely loving it. I love my clients. And just the other day, we started the wheels in motion on our next project, which will be what I like to call my magnum opus. I feel okay. like my whole life has been leading up to this book called The Other People Who Live Here. Whoa, that sounds intriguing already. I won't I won't pry on that one a little bit. I'll leave no, that one. No, that's okay. We can talk about it. We can talk about it limited, but uh, I can yeah. let you know what it's about. Yeah, sure. Let everybody know what it's about. So we're still going back and forth between do we want to do single issues or a one-shot trade? We're thinking single just because it's it's better to for marketing wise, you know, building yeah. an audience that way. But uh, the other people who live here is a paranormal space opera about Alzheimer's. Wow. And yeah. That so sounds my so mother, cool. Thank you. You know, it I think um I I my mother has Alzheimer's. So when that happened you know, you think you know what it's like to take care of someone with Alzheimer's and really you have no idea until you actually do. And I was like, these caretakers don't get a chance to really tell their stories because these are things that we don't talk about mm -hmm. in polite conversation. Yeah. So not only did I want to address what the patient goes through, but what the family goes through as well. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to put a positive spin on it. So yeah. Um, the other people who live here, something my mom often says and what dementia patients often say, because they're seeing people, you know, ghosts, uh, for lack of a better term of people they've never even known in their waking life. Wow. So I thought, wouldn't that be great if they were a Starfleet? Yeah, that's, that's super interesting. And that's, that's really interesting because I've never really, um, spoken to anybody or or researched alzheimer's and and that's really interesting that you say that um that they see that uh different people and i kind of feel like you know if if my mind was going i kind of feel like that kind of empty kind of like what's going on around me There's, what are all all these people doing in my area it's really scary it's too. scary yeah, yeah. scary and I, I just couldn't imagine what uh what people go through with that and I'm glad you put a little positive spin on it because that can go dark real quick, especially if it's something that is in your life and you just don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Right. Right. So it was a, it was a great uh, coping mechanism too. Yeah. And JJ cat will be illustrating that as awesome. well. Edited by David Hayes. And of course, David Hayes created one of our most popular titles that became a film called rotten tail. Awesome. Awesome. This is great. Um, I love all this stuff because it's it all sounds like it's all up my alley. So I gotta I gotta I gotta I have to stay connected with you so that I can read all this work. This is really great. So oh thank you. Okay, uh, I, I, another thing that we always do here, and I because of the state of our crazy industry and our crazy favorite medium right now, uh, and and how nuts it is, and it's all up, twisted upside down. How do you see? the future of comics do you see uh, some, it going yeah, I mean, obviously in a direction for somewhere great for uh indie creatives what do you see how do you see the mainstream doing 
I think that it's going to, after all of this, it's going to hand back power to the retailers. So I see it as a massive cleanse. Like, let's take conventions, for example. Mm-hmm. I love doing conventions. I love yeah. direct sales. But let's face it, it was a really oversaturated market. Mm-hmm. So I think once we come back, it's going to be a whole new landscape. And it's going to trim a little bit of the fat there. Because some people are are have been under the impression that wherever you set up chairs and tables and invite your friends where you had your cousin's baby shower that's a comic-con and so the general public you know thinks well i just went to a comic-con last week why should i go to motor city comic-con it's like Uh no no you really didn't you went to like an expo which is fine but it was really spreading us thin publishers thin and the entire market so i think it's going to give power back by having less conventions more store visits uh, more intimacy between uh, creator and uh, writer and retailer. So I think that when we come back, it's going to get a little bit back to more traditional distribution mm-hmm. uh, and give power back to the retailers. That's what I'm really hoping for. Yeah, I, I think so. I think uh, I have to agree with that because uh I talking to a handful of people who I know own shops and stuff like that. They're a little weary of the way they're doing things, but I think if we give the power back to them, it would change significantly, especially the way that things are distributed, the things that we receive and the way we receive them. And I think that's, I think if we as fans of this medium, we need to take charge and say, no, we want it this way. And this is the way it should have been from the very beginning. We don't want you yes. guys to dictate how we how we get this and how we it's just we need to take charge of it. And I, I think I agree with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fans need to take the market back. Yeah, they really do. You know, away from these big guys who just, you know, I mean, everything is so film centric and all about mm-hmm. the the almighty dollar and like not seeing the value in the creators. But like what's selling right now. And really they're shooting themselves in the foot because they're only trying to assume what's selling and they're spoon spoon feeding the same crap. (laughs) You know, it's all rehashes and people are tired of that. And thank God that they were focused on that because source point press came in with a lit roller and you know, those people that were tired of rehashes were like, well, we have really original stories and guess what? We'll let you meet the creators. Uh, You'll get these things signed. And you'll feel like you're a part of the journey because yeah. you are, because without you, there is no us. Right. Exactly. I, I, <laughs> that's what I've been saying for the longest time. That's it's, that's how it is. And we need to take, we need to take the market back. That's absolutely. I think we can end there. That's let's drop the mic. <laughs> so oh. let, uh, let everybody who is listening know where they can find all your work and, and all your social media and all that good stuff. Sure. And that is uh, Facebook.com slash Cosmic Casey, both with K's. Twitter at Cosmic Casey. Instagram at KCD Writes. And uh, Red Pen Media on Facebook. You can find me. Um, and if you do have some editing inquiries, it's Casey, K A S E Y, Red Pen at gmail.com. Every comic script under uh, $25. Um, or 25 pages is uh, $75 that includes proofreading, content editing, and even a last look at letters. Wow. Um, so if you are interested, reach out to me. And uh, let's see, can you find me anywhere else? LinkedIn, you know, 
I'm on there too. So super cool. That's really awesome that you that you put that service out there. That's really cool. Well, again, Casey, I appreciate you coming on and hanging out with me here on the House of Indie. We we appreciate you. Everybody, you should go oh, out I there. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm serious, guys. Go out there, check out her work. Uh, I am a new fan of Nora. I've got to grab uh, Volume Two now because you, you got me hooked. You need a shirt. Yes, you need a shirt. I so, do. Hey, I love that if you shirt. Haven't, thank you. So Nora Volume Two issues one through four are now available in previews. So you can order. Sorry, my haters went nuts. Uh, <laughs> you can order it into your comic shop um, right now. Um, but if you haven't caught up with the series. Uh, head on over to sourcepoint.press and you can pick up the volume one trade and the snazzy t-shirt. Yes, I wash this shirt. I know it seems like I wear it every day, but I got to promote. And uh, so that's probably only like, what, 30 bucks total, something like that. We're always running deals. That's awesome. I'm the same way. I've got my, my, uh, my podcast shirt on and I'm like, I, I had to tell the people that uh, printed my shirt. I was like, give me four of them because I'm, I need to wear like every time I do interviews so that I'm wearing my brand. (laughs) Right. You got to, you got to, I really should have bought like three of these. Really, I'm doing laundry like every day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's not good on the bills, man. I I understand that. My wife tells me all the time. She's like, "I'm doing laundry like every day. Can can you like please help?" I'm like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, I'll help. I'll help. I I help in the wrong way." Well, you have a two year old too. That's why you're doing laundry every day. Probably having costume changes every three minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. That's not the only kid we have either. So we got. uh, Oh my god. (laughs) I've got a six, uh, seventeen year old going on 18 very soon and then i've got a 10 year old and then we have one on the way oh my goodness again congratulations <laughs> thank you good gravy boats <laughs> yeah so Ooh. i it's 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 a lot of work but i love these dang thing kids i love this family so that's again, wonderful but enough about me thank you casey for hanging out with me and uh go out check her out guys check out nora all her great books all her awesome work and if you got some some really cool editing uh inquiries hit her up that's that's a really great affordable price i can't believe how how cheap you're doing that that's awesome yeah i mean for a limited time so who knows there you go i shouldn't i I shouldn't (laughs) say i shouldn't say cheap i should say inexpensive because that's it's it's fine i know what you mean (laughs) all right all right thanks again for hanging out with me right here on the house of indy thank you thank you for listening to the house of indy My name is Joey Galvez. I will see you later. Can you say the House of Indy? At the House of Indy.